I'm Mandy Yakich from Creative Matters, and you're listening to Creative Matters On Air, where I have conversations with new and established artists from around New Zealand. I love to listen to artists' stories and learn about their creative process, and maybe you do too, which is why I've made this podcast, to inspire, inform, and educate. I hope you can take away something positive and encouraging from each of these amazing stories to help you on your own creative journey. Welcome to Creative Matters Episode 9. Thank you so much for listening. This episode, we're changing it up a bit. The host, that's me, will be interviewed today to give our listeners, that's you, an insight into what makes me tick, my philosophies, art practice, creative process and business. I have asked my friend and New Zealand artist Tanya Blong and also episode one guest to interview me. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as we enjoyed our conversation. And now I'll take the second microphone and hand over to Tanya. Thanks, Mandy. You know, it's great to be in Creative Matters headquarters again. So good to be here. And I'm so thankful that you... um, asked me to interview you. So nice that you're here again, Tans, and um, I couldn't think of a better person to have a chat with, so thank you. Yeah. You know, we met five years ago when you were first starting Creative Matters, Mm -hmm. and um, your ideas about teaching really resonated with me, the whole ethos of planting seeds in young minds and stretching that creative thought um, was something I was um, passionate about as well. And um, (laughs) That was the dog. That was the dog shaking. (laughs) So um, I'm really excited about um, uncovering more today and um, hearing more about you. Let me start with introducing you properly though. Um, So Amanda Yakich, also known as Mandy, is a self-taught abstract painter and the founder and CEO of Creative Matters. She's a proud mother of two young adults with a grandbaby on the way and lives with her husband George at Murawai Beach, northwest of Auckland. Mandy's work responds very much to her surroundings, particularly the land, sea and sky and the nature of her home place, Murawai Beach, New Zealand. She is drawn to simple form and design, colour and composition and enjoys experimenting with different materials, ideas and tools. So Mandy, wonderful to be here and let's get started. Um, Please tell me, where did you grow up and how did creativity look in your formative years? Okay, so I grew up, I was born in Auckland, New Zealand and grew up in Milford on the North Shore. I had two brothers and um, yeah, I had a really happy childhood. Um, And, you know, when I look back, I didn't really feel like I was a particularly creative kid. Um, You know, we, we kind of did sort of have influences like uh, my my grandmother was an an artist um, and she was super creative and she had a beautiful studio that was all set up with her oil pastels and colored pencils and beautiful um, paints and um, sounds like a magic spot it was yeah it was great and it was kind of a happy place for me I guess and she she was great at encouraging me and my brothers and my cousins to kind of sit down and and make some work you know make some art have a play um, and my grandfather was super creative as well, and he, he was a sort of master woodworker and had a little shed out the back up in Castor Bay, and he used to make um, beautiful things out of wood, 
and he also used to make wooden easels, actually, art easels. Um, yeah. Do you own one of those? I don't, but no. I have actually looked yeah. for it. It was Jensen easels. Yeah. Um, yeah, there were a few around, but I haven't been able to track any down, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was really inspired by them, I think, and, you know, even down to little things like the little wooden paint box. And, you know, I was I was really kind of drawn to that sort of thing. I love my nana's jewellery box with all her costume jewellery that I used to go through, and that's quite a, a vivid memory. So, you know, they, they did inspire me, I think. And um, when I look back at my family... Um, we had quite a lot of music in our lives, but uh, it wasn't such a visual arts focus, I'd say. Mm. My mum was really creative and a really clever sewer, and she used to make beautiful tapestries and um, uh, other kind of like knitting, did amazing knitting, feral jumpers and that kind <laughs> of thing. <laughs> and she made all of our clothes until, you know, I think I was about 10 years old just, you know, desperate for a pair of Levi's and <laughs> and something from the store. But, um, you know, she was super clever and um, loved that and spent a lot of her time doing that. So she, she was really creative and I actually think she had some talent there with painting and that kind of thing that she probably just never really tapped into. Well, she was busy, you know, yeah. three kids. Yeah, and, being yeah. a mum. And, and then my dad was... Um, more, I'd say, the sort of intellectual side. My brothers were very sort of maths and science and academic. Um, so it wasn't something that we really had in our lives in a huge way. Mm-hmm. And we never went to art galleries and that kind of mm-hmm. thing. So, yeah, it's so quite was interesting. So there a point at um, school, sort of either primary or um, high school, where you did get interested in art? Not really. I mean, that's the surprising thing through school and through high school it wasn't really my thing I didn't actually take art at school which you know is quite surprising considering how involved I am now Mm, in mm. art education but no I didn't um I I just didn't really feel like I had any talent and wasn't really you know encouraged down Mm. that path I guess Mm -hmm. and Mm. it was almost like it probably probably was there but I just hadn't kind of tapped into it, but like my mum, sure, you know, sure. and I hadn't had the right people apart from my grandparents, but I hadn't had sort of people at school encouraging me or sort of having faith in me, I guess. Mm. So I probably needed that encouragement because I wasn't sure myself. Yeah. Um, and then it, was, it wasn't really until I got older that I started to find it myself and have enough um, sort of self-assurance to to go there I guess. Mm -hmm. And what were those early works? Um, Were they paintings, drawings or? Um, Yeah I well I mean I always used to as a sort of older teenager I used to love making and making cards and presents for people and and that kind of thing so I was kind of already doing a lot of that sort of creative thinking I think and then it was when I had Taylor um when she was born, then I started painting, you know, once she was asleep. And um, and then right through when Brodie was born as well, not long after, 15 months after. Mm. Crazy time. <laughs> um, you know, I, I continued when I could to to paint. So, yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't a – I was a – I was self-taught. So, um, yeah, I and I think because, you know, I trained to be a teacher – at the after after high school, um, so when I was sixteen, seventeen, I started 
uni, which was yes. Teachers College in those Very days. Very young. Yeah, it's pretty young. Um, and did primary, studied primary teaching and um, sort of was drawn to the arts, you know, the music as well as visual arts there. Um, and I think I came into teaching with a real love of, of teaching art. You know, that was that was my favourite subject. And I found teaching very creative and, um, you know, I loved having my own classroom that I could decorate and um, and then creating a really sort of creative curriculum for the children and c- encouraging them with their own art. Um, so it kind of just developed, I think, through teaching and then, um, you know, starting to just have a go myself mm. with some painting. And did you have some inspiration back then around a particular theme or...? Um, when I first started painting, yeah. Well, yeah, I just I loved geometrics, and um, I don't know if there was a particular artist even at that time that inspired me, but I just used to get ideas, and then I'd um, sort of nut out how I could make that, and I often involved my husband George with some of the you know materials and that sort of thing using wood and and paint Mm. um and then just sort of started putting stuff up on my walls and then I guess it it grew from there when people started to take notice and appreciate um what I was making which kind of surprised me at the time then I sort of kept making I guess fantastic yeah Yeah. and it just I think you know I needed obviously that encouragement probably from a long time ago and then when I started to get it that was the sort of fuel I suppose that got me going sure and were you sort of selling to friends and um, developing your work in that way yeah yeah a a few friends did start buying very kindly (laughs) my work (laughs) and um, yeah and and then through that through um, a couple Robert and Joe Hill, um, we decided that we could actually show my work at their house. So they had a beautiful home in Mission Bay. Um, and I don't know, just just between them and, uh, them, them and me, we sort of figured out that it would be a cool thing to do, to sort of show the work that I've been working on and, um, and have that sort of private setting, which really appealed to me because I – I think because I was a self-taught artist, I didn't really feel like I was ready for galleries and um, I just wanted to share my work, really. And I think that's what I'm all about, is just um, having that connection with my work, but also with people and being able to engage with them as they were engaging with my work meant a lot to me. So we, we created a private exhibition at their home just for one night and uh, you know it took a lot of work to get that to happen um we just sort of worked on our own sort of social networks and um didn't really put it out there in a huge way but you know did all the invitations and that sort of thing which I really enjoyed as well it was like a sort of whole project um and I think in a way it was it was good for me because it just gave me something to aim for and it sort of helped me to to start really getting serious about making and painting so that I had, you know, a good stock, a good stash of work to put up on the walls. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, you know, those deadlines are really great for artists, but also wonderful to kind of make it fit to your um, your world and your way of painting and what you're comfortable with. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, really entrepreneurial and um, 
I think a lot of people could benefit from that. Yeah. It doesn't always have to be the gallery way. Yeah. I mean, it would suit some people and, and not others, I guess. But I think for me, it felt really natural. And I look back and think, gosh, that was actually taking ris- a risk. Huge risk. And putting yes. myself out there and, you know, and yeah, but I, I guess I believed in myself enough to just mm. share it and enjoy it. And I love the whole idea around that sort of, you know, make, sort of home staging the place so that it looked amazing mm. and, and buying nice food and wearing a cool outfit and <laughs> <laughs> getting my hair done and, you know, all of that sort of. It's a little that bit of a performance. whole thing, yeah. And, and a, quite a cool project, designing the invitation and, mm. and then having all my people come. And then friends of friends and that kind of thing. And, you know, it actually sold quite a lot of work, which was nice. And that sort of gave me impetus to continue, I think. Mm. And so we actually did, I think it was definitely two, but maybe even three shows, one one each year at their place, mm. at their house. And was this um, sort of running alongside also being a teacher and um, mother and, or were you, were you still teaching at that stage? Um, yeah, I had, so I had two kids and... Um, Taylor and Brody, and I was working just part-time when they were young, mm. a couple of days a week, and I was actually a music specialist teacher at that time, which is ironic in a way, but um, I did learn the piano up to grade eight growing up, and at Teachers College, I specialised in music, not in, in art, so sort of came out as a, you know, somebody who could take a choir and that kind of thing, not very well, I might <laughs> add. <laughs> But uh, And I did actually do a, a, quite a bit of choir work, which I did enjoy all the way through my career. Mm. But um, I used to play the piano also for the main choir, and that absolutely terrified me because I was really not a performing pianist. Mm. Mm. And, oh, my God, I've got so many scary images of, you know, playing the piano nervously and not being able to control my fingers. <laughs> and <blah. laughs> So, uh, yeah, the music thing, I mean, I enjoyed it, but it just wasn't really my passion. You know, I, I love music and appreciate it. George is a musician and my, my son's a musician. But I, yeah, I, I, it wasn't really my calling at that time. So mm. I loved teaching, absolutely loved it. Um, but the, the music thing was, was really just a good filler for when the kids were small and mm. that was my main focus at that time. And did you develop that whole idea of um, showing artwork in homes by going on to do another job, was it, where you're home staging and working um, full-time in that? Yeah, it? yeah. So in between sort of those three shows that I had in Mission Bay, um, I ended up getting a job with a home, sta- a home staging company, which was um, DMI Home Stages in Auckland. And that happened just, it was a coincidence, really. A friend had used them to furnish a house that she was selling. And um, and she approached me to see if I wanted to put my paintings in the house to go with the, the furnishing, basically. So, you know, I did that. I went to the home and, and decided what I needed to put in where. And, and I love that. You know, I guess I am quite interested in interior design and homes and fabrics. And I love beautiful objects and that sort of thing so um yeah I I I enjoyed that aspect and so I, anyway I put the paintings up and the woman Diana Malion who owned the company came in and, and saw it and um and loved the paintings with her with her finishings so basically asked me if I wanted to 
work for them as a contractor, I think it was, where I would just provide my painting. So when they when they had a client, there was an option for original paintings, which people could take on if they wanted to. Um, so quite a lot of top-end homes, you know, like very expensive, brand-new homes, um, I'd go in and um, put my paintings up. And I did that for four years, and it was amazing because I actually had to paint and paint and paint and paint, which was really what sealed my my painting for me. You know, it really um, gave me that time to just get used to working with that medium and develop techniques and, you know, experiment with ideas and all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, I'm quite grateful for that time because I think it, it just got me painting and you know I loved it and it was great because the kids were at school I'd paint or install works during the day and then pick them up after school and you know it worked it Sounds worked like well a dream. <laughs> yeah it worked really well for a for mum yeah so it was it was perfect and I was pretty disciplined even then uh, you know working during the day uh, that was my job I was either painting or installing and uh yeah, it was it was great. I loved yeah. it. That brush time can be great to um, really, I think, just work through ideas and techniques and learning that medium and, you know, just putting that brush time in mm. sort of solves a lot of problems. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you do a lot of development, I think, through that. Mm. It's just about doing, isn't it? Just mm. getting into it. And, mm. and yeah. So when did, um, when did Murawai come onto the scene when did you move out to the west coast well we had bought we had built a house in town and um we wanted to build again so we sort of started looking out west because you know i was a good north shore girl (laughs) from way back but then george dragged me (laughs) to the west thank god he did that's all i can say (laughs) and um and so we discovered a property at sort of at the back of mirawai and loved it. It was two and a half acres and decided, you know, we wanted to build again with a bit more space. Um, and then we decided that we would also like to design a home that I could show my paintings in. So right from the beginning, right from the beginning of that project, it's another project, I do like projects. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we, yeah, we, we kind of thought about how, what sort of house shape, you know, what, what what we needed to consider to make it a good space for showing painting. So it was just very minimal um, concrete floors, white walls. We installed spotlights on all the walls and lots of light. And then we had two private shows there, which Wonderful. was, yeah, it was mm. cool. And it's so interesting because we didn't know anyone. We were new to Murawai. And, you know, we put it out in the sort of local newspaper and that kind of thing. I think the actual, the Northwest News interviewed me. It was my big claim to fame. (laughs) (laughs) And so we did, I did do a bit more advertising for that and got quite a few locals coming. And now I look back at the visitor book, it's so funny. It's like, oh my God, I can't believe that that friend of mine, who's now a friend, actually came along. Yeah. And, you know, because we didn't know anybody. Yeah, it's a good way to get to know the community. Yeah, it was quite cool. And they must have thought, who is this random person from town (laughs) coming in? No, I think they were like, finally, something, you know, but exciting in the community. We're (laughs) always up for new things happening. Yeah. Yeah. And now I know what a sort of amazing community Mirawai is and the people in it, you know, I can, I can, 
can understand why they would come mm. and support it. Mm. So, yeah, it was pretty Were you cool. influenced? Um, did, do you think there was a change in your work once you came out to the Moody West Coast and, um, you know, the impact of the environment and the landscape here, did that feed into your work at all? Yeah, very much so. So I think I went from sort of, I still kind of did geometric abstract work sometimes, but it became very much um, sort of abstract landscape once we got here. I did a big West Coast series. I did 12 large um, canvases, which were all sort of um, sky, beach, land, you know, sea, that kind of thing. Mm. And different with different moods, basically, and different feelings, and um, they sold really quite well. I've only got one left, actually, and yeah. So, so I did. I was definitely influenced by that for some reason. I mean, it was funny because we didn't actually come to Murawai Beach because we loved it so much. We we really just were looking for some land to build on, which is interesting now because it's such a place. For us, you know, it's our it's our place, and it's we have so much love for Murawai and the community, and you know we're so passionate about this this place and feel so at home, mm. and you know I feel like we'll be here forever. Mm. Um, but we didn't actually realise that, even though we kind of had connections to Murawai, both of us, you know, when we were younger. So yeah, we we just sort of luckily found our spot mm. and our community. And uh, and that's when my work kind of changed, I guess, in response to this environment. Mm. So I know that you ended up going overseas um, with Georgia's Sailing for the America's Cup. How did being in a different environment um, change your work and being away from Murawai, did that have an impact? Yeah, it was interesting because we spent time in America and um, near Seattle and also um, Valencia. And I continue to paint in both of those places. I mean, we had the children to look after, but, you know, when I could, I did. And I just kind of needed that. That was my, my creative outlet, I guess. Um, and then, you know, going to Valencia, um, I was actually inspired by all the beautiful mosaic works on the buildings. Oh, the colours, the mosaics, yeah. the tiles, just beautiful. So beautiful. And we were very close to the um, arts and sciences buildings, which was in the in the river bank, uh, in the, I can't remember what they called it actually. Mm. Anyway, it was it was a big feature of, of Valencia, it was quite new. And that was all white, <clears throat> monochromatic, very sort of shiny with, I love the, the shine of the, of the white tiles with the, with the matte grout and how it sort of reflected the sea, the, the water that they had around the buildings. And, and I love, I love white anyway. And I love monochromatic stuff. And a bit of shine. And a bit of shine. Yeah. <laughs> a bit of sparkle. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so um, I did quite a lot of mosaic works on canvas, which was quite different for me. Still having that sort of geometric connection. I love circles. So there was quite a lot of circle work happening. Um, and then using sort of experimenting, I guess, with mediums like modeling paste and other sort of thickness so that it felt slightly raised on the canvas and had that sort of tile feeling, but out of paint. Mm. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed doing that series actually. And then also while I was there, I um, I found myself without really realising making um, more connection to Murawai because, you know, we lived in a small apartment 
high-rise apartment um, with two kids and George was working a lot with Team New Zealand and I think that was my escape and that sort of just needing to connect again with my home place, which I which I was missing. Um, so I, I made quite a few abstract uh, large works and one of them was called Freedom, which was just using greens and, you know, different colours of green and, and it just, that was yeah, took me back to the land that we'd built around, and you know, but it was a very abstract, still a very abstract view of it. Mm. Yeah, so it was almost like I was kind of playing with paint on the canvas, and it, that's what it became. And then I found the title, you know. So I didn't actually really always realise what I was doing until yeah, until I'd I finished think that's it. The process many take, you know, and that obviously that absence, um, absence of landscape and nature and environment uh, was missing and I think you know sometimes we paint that so we do have it in our life or process it in some way Mm, yeah totally and so on your return to New Zealand what um what happened then work-wise and creative-wise um well I got a full-time job and I got back so I was kind of ready to dig my teeth into something you know I needed another new challenge um so and I also kind of thought with my teaching I had had, I'd been out for 10 years of full-time teaching. I'd I'd worked full-time in primary schools for 10 years, then had the kids and worked part-time teaching um, and then doing the the home staging work. And then I just thought, well, I should probably go back and, you know, stay connected to the New Zealand education system and um, work full-time. So Brodie, our youngest, was nine and so I'm really grateful for that time that I had where I wasn't working full time. I was really lucky um, and also was able to get creative while I had the kids. Um, so I went back to full time teaching, teaching year eights at Waimoku School, which is our local school where the children went to. And uh, yeah, that was pretty challenging, that class, actually, because I came through in, in term three and they'd had a difficult year. I was their third teacher. And uh, yeah, that, that challenged me, actually. Mm. They were they were quite a tough bunch, and anyway, got through that, and um, and then taught there for four years, and in that time, sort of started really connecting with art, and um, I got the art job, looking after the art department of the school, um, so you know that was a chance for me to use my my skills and my creativity to sort of bring something to that school, and I created um just a few things nothing startling really but um it's got an art exhibition happening at the end of the year where all the children participated and um I also started some programs using local artists to come into the school and work with select children to uh, extend them and they sort of created murals and did all sorts of things that was you know just kind of using the artist skills and um and allowing them to bring something else into the school for the children. So I really love that kind of thing. So I can see now that that is kind of paving the way to the other things I ended up doing. Mm. But I, I wasn't really aware of it at the time. But yeah, yeah. so I, I love that. And I, you know, art, art was my favorite subject to teach. I tried to smuggle in as much art as I could into mm. my program. Mm. It's definitely had an influence, yeah. yes, all that programming and thinking about how people, how young children learn and um, how creativity laps over into other subjects. Mm. It's really beneficial. Totally. Mm. Yeah, and I'm really interested in the cross-curricular aspect of the visual arts. Mm. Um, And that's something I do 
now working with teachers, just um, trying to make connections right across the curriculum so teachers feel like they can, you know, do mm. more art in the classroom and it's, it's justified. Hopefully it's a new way of... Yeah, yeah I hope so. Coming. Yeah. Yeah. So did you continue teaching or um, what was... Sort of After the that, well, I actually ended up working as an art educator at Auckland Art Gallery and I did that for four years. Um, so that was an interesting process actually just getting into that and I think it's it's worth sharing mm. because um, it's encouraging I think for people to to hear stories like mine that I actually got that job um, sort of by coincidence really. I, I happened to be calling the art gallery to book my class in for a visit and just said to the person I was speaking with who turned out to be my manager, you know, I'd love your job. Wow, how amazing. And and she just told me about this job that was open and um and we had a chat and, and she asked if I wanted to have an interview and I was like, Wow, you know, <laughs> wow, this is really freaky because I didn't think I was, you know, eligible to work at New Zealand's largest most prestigious gallery because I didn't have a fine arts degree. Mm. And, you know, I had an education degree, but, and also I was a self-taught artist, so I felt like I was kind of an imposter in some ways. But, you know, it is interesting because if I had gone through the normal channels through HR and Centreletter, I wouldn't have got a look in because, you know, I didn't have on paper what they were looking for, which was someone with a fine arts degree. Um, but, you know... I had the teaching skills and I knew that I could learn the rest or mm. at least bluff my way through it. <laughs> yeah, that experience is, you know, sometimes so beneficial, but also your personality. You're, you know, very sort of gregarious and open and um, put people at ease. So I'd say that paved the way too. Thank you. Yeah. What an amazing job. It was an amazing job and it taught me so much because it really took me out of my comfort zone. And, you know, I was terrified that I was going to look like I was stupid and didn't know anything. <laughs> and um, so, you know, I did a lot of reading. I mean, I caught the bus for 16 months and I read and read and read because I was petrified that someone was going to find me out, basically. So, you know, I did a lot of learning about New Zealand art in particular and art in general. And, you know, I didn't know very much about art history. So my manager was good to me in that way. She taught me a lot. And just being at the meetings, you know, where curators would talk about artists and, um, you know, the shows that were coming. And I was just like a, a kid in a candy store. I mean, I just was like, oh, my God, I love this. You know, it was so great. And I, I learned so much. And I I was grateful for, for that opportunity to, to do so much learning, but also to, you know, gain so much confidence because I'd put myself out there and, and stepped out of my comfort zone. And it was a very public job. You know, I was always presenting, welcoming, you know, hundreds of kids and and talking about artworks in the gallery in front of all these children and parents and teachers. And then the public would sort of stop and watch as well. And it really made me refine my game, mm. you know, as a teacher, I think. It, it, it was very much on show and I knew I had to be great. And that was great. That was good for me. Because, you know, no matter how I was feeling, I had to basically perform, which is kind of what teachers do anyway, but it was just on a bigger scale. And I think it just helped me to, yeah, refine my practice. And every time I was teaching in the studio, there was, you know, 10 parents watching, the teacher watching, 
So it became quite a public teaching role, mm. unlike teaching in schools where you're kind of locked away with your kids and, and you don't often have adults watching. So it was it was really good for me. And I, I ran the studio program there, the art-making programs. And um, So you would purposely program to what um, show was being exhibited at the time and yeah. to base it around those artists and yeah yeah which I loved yeah so we had you know there was that ever-changing journey of you know different exhibitions coming in Um, I'd have to learn about all the work all the artists I'd go to the meetings and and learn from the curators as well and then I I would have to create sort of a response to that show basically and um, and I was writing programs for primary school students, secondary school, um, special needs students, and then I also developed a, a um, professional development classes with teachers. So, you know, I, I was, it was great. Mm. It was, yeah, it was a really awesome job. I loved it. And was this kind of when seeds were starting to be planted in your own mind about perhaps developing your own business and um you know, putting casting the net sort of further afield with this uh, sort of education? Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, I, as we've talked about before, I, I seem to have a bit of a cycle of four years where I I love a new challenge and I love new projects. And then after some time, I start sort of looking for new challenges. So I felt with that job, I had really done everything I felt like I could do within the sort of parameters of that institution and it just made me think because I had so much contact with teachers and parents and I really learned about marketing and building relationships and all of that sort of thing through my my job there Um, and I just thought actually you know I feel like I am ready to start connecting in this way but with my own gig and, you know, creating programs like I've been creating, but, you know, deciding how I want to do that and where and how it's going to look. And we did a lot of work actually at the Auckland Art Gallery about creative process. And I think that's what sort of got me thinking about the importance of children and adults, you know, working through a great creative process of sort of exploring and experimenting and reflecting and sharing and creating, obviously, um, and just placing a bit more emphasis on the process, not just the product. So I um, I felt like there was a little bit of a need for that kind of thing, and um, I just thought, well, I would like to start that up myself if mm. I could somehow. So did you just leap into it, or was it a um, keep that job on and slowly start, you know, creative matters, or how did that... How did you juggle that? Well, for people who know me well, it's it's uh, I'm pretty used to just jumping into stuff. So <laughs> have a sort of thought, and it's like, yeah, I'm going to do that. So I I did kind of jump into it. I I remember ringing George to say, "Do you mind if I resign this week? I'm, I'm ready. I'm going to do it." And he was super supportive of that. And you know, I'd done a lot of thinking. I, I'd I'd been thinking really for a year about how I was going to do it, and. You know, and I guess I jumped off the cliff. I, you know, believed that I could do it and I believed in the need for it and I was very passionate about it. And I just thought I cannot do it while I'm working full time and I can't I can't do it justice, so I have to just do it. 
And yeah, I I did believe in myself at that point. I mean, that's the beautiful thing about getting older and more experience. I knew I could do it. I had the skills. And uh, yeah, just went about making it happen. Mm. So what, just sort of started with one or two classes or? I just started in Mirawaii Beach um, with a few after school classes and um and then into holiday workshops and that kind of thing. Mm. And um, and that's where Creative Matters was born. Okay. So now we're, what, four years later and... Six years. Six years later, yeah. we have 15 employees, 25 classes rolled out over um, Auckland, and teacher PDs, murals in schools, homeschooling. I'd love to know how you got from there to here. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's a big... It's a big one, really. I mean, I probably need a couple of hours <laughs> to go through that. But basically, you know, in a nutshell, um, I very quickly realised that this was able to grow. And, you know, I'd had a lot of support out here and there was a demand for it. Um, and I worked with a business mentor in our previous business with George and his name was Pete Smallberger and he's an amazing man and he taught us basically how to run a business. So we worked with him for three years. He was very, very patient with us (laughs) because we were really kind of makers um, and not business people at that time. So he, he taught us that and so I came in to Creative Matters with that knowledge of how to run a business and then I I went back to him after about a year just to get help for growing the business so um, I I was teaching nine workshops a week and um, I sort of realized well you know I was so busy teaching I couldn't really run the business and I definitely could not figure out how I was actually going to grow it so um, he helped me with that and he was the one who said you know Mandy if you want to grow the business you can't you can't be teaching which felt really strange to me um, but I knew what he was what he was saying, and um, you know, I still teach one class. I teach holiday workshops sometimes just to keep my, you know, keep involved. Um, but now I write all the programs for my educators, train the educators, and uh, yeah, and it's been great. We have after school workshops all over Auckland. We have holiday workshops in three venues. Um, I love to work with artists in the community, doing different sort of. Um, visual art projects and we did that together didn't we Tom? yes we did an amazing mural on uh state highway 16 which was again like such an amazing opportunity that you gave me um which i think you know is outstanding how you seem to do that to many people you just bring them up and um let them spread their wings on so many projects and opportunities um and I see you, you know, you sort of do that with teachers as well. You um, create these learning programs for them to then maybe hopefully put that into their classrooms. And I love how you just keep spreading this kind of ethos that you have. Yeah, thank you. No, I, I do really believe in, in that way of teaching art and, and taking it across the, curricul- the curriculum. And I love working with teachers. I mean, I, I have run some workshops at at places where teachers elect to come and that's awesome and then also sometimes the art the art department head of department comes to me and asks for me to work with the staff and then you know sometimes they have things that needs that they need help with um 
And I love creating customized programs for a staff so that I can deliver what they really need, but all based around that ex- exploration of the creative process. So trying to get teachers away from thinking about the final product or, you know, formulaic kind of art that feels like it's not a lot of creative thinking happening. So, um, yeah, just pushing teachers out of that and into much more exciting um, approach to mm. visual arts. Mm. It's yeah. absolutely beneficial. We need more of that. <laughs> yeah, we do, sadly. And it's not the teacher's fault. You know, unfortunately, they don't get a lot of training at university no. for visual arts. They mm. might get like a six-week block and that's it. Mm. And a lot of people feel a bit like they don't know enough. You yeah. Know. So I, I love supporting them to do that kind of thing and hopefully it makes a difference. Mm, mm. Yeah. Okay, I would um I would really love to um start talking about your own creative process actually because um that's that's a whole other avenue to you. Um you seem to be quite a multidisciplinary artist, um working across many media and I'm interested to know what comes first. Do you have an idea that you sort of develop with the media in mind or do you, you know, are you inspired by um, sort of wood or um, working with paint or resin, what, and then the idea develops? How does how does your whole process sort of work? Well, I guess because I'm self-taught, I um, am very experimental really and I think that's sort of started from the beginning and is, and has gone all the way through when I look back. So I am very much an ideas person. I I do a lot of thinking. I like to walk by myself, so I often um, can be seen around Murawai with my dog, Mazzy, and, you know, walking in the forest and on the beach and in the bush, and I do a lot of thinking. I do listen to podcasts as well, but... Um, a lot of that is is inspiration for me also. But just, um, yeah, coming up with ideas um, around sort of different ways to use materials, I'd say, and different tools. And I guess it goes back to my sort of learning and enjoying trying out new stuff and that, that sort of thing. I quite like having an idea and then often talking to George, who is like the – most amazing problem solver and with his background in in the sailing world and as a boat builder he is amazing with carbon fiber um, and fiberglass and resin and he also was a panel beater originally and you know can weld and can work with metal and that sort of thing so really he is a great person to speak with about um, what I want to do and so George and I have actually done quite a lot of collaboration and I think, you know, more and more we are working together, which is really beautiful. And I think, you know, once I'm old and retired. Like I don't I, see that happening. When I'm 85 <laughs> or something. I don't plan to retire, actually, to be honest. But, um, you know, I think that we will work together more and more. And he's actually got incredibly good ideas as well. But at the moment I sort of come up with the ideas and, and he helps me to make them happen. Um yeah, so when I think back to all the work that I've done, I mean, painting is a thing that's gone all the way through. So I started with painting, and that's that's always happened, you know, all the way through since I was, you know, early 20s. But other things have, have come up, and, and that's been fun. You know, I enjoy that. And I think because, again, because I haven't had a, any formal teaching, I... Um, 
don't feel the need to sort of stay in a, in a box or, you know, have to be creating a certain type of work. I'm very open to what I create and how I create it. And I, I just don't have those feelings of um, restriction or um, obligation, I guess, which is nice for me and I, I like it like that. So I kind of like to run my own ship and just work with what's sort of inspiring me at the time. Um, it's very freeing. It's very yeah. freeing to be able to, um, yeah, not be pigeonholed and switch from different media and not feel constricted to um, one medium or one style mm. of art. And yeah, yeah, it sort of relates back to that whole um, way of thinking of definitely stretching your creativity and your yeah. process. Yeah, and it's I guess when you work. think, I guess um, a lot of artists do just stick with the same medium, don't mm. they? Mm. And some artists are more experimental with different things, I guess. Mm. I don't know. But, yeah, I, I ha- I've i had that painting going all the way through, as I said, but then also other things that have developed. So I I think the first project that I did that was quite different for me was um, some jewellery, a sort of a jewellery series. And, you know, I'm not a jeweller, <laughs> obviously, but I just kind of got the idea of the shells, you know, the whelk shell that is worn down at the beach that and you end up with a, a round part of the shell that a lot of people put on their fingers as rings. And so um, I was quite fascinated with that idea that the natural shell is, you know, becomes a ring for people. But I like the idea of being able to kind of adorn that um, and add to that idea of of a ring that's been found in nature, but then adding something quite man-made to it. And so, you know, I experimented a little bit. I think the first time that really got me going was when I found a shell, which was just had this most beautiful curve at the top of it. And I was just like, oh, my God, it's just crying out for something gorgeous in there. And then I thought maybe glitter because I do like shiny things, as you said, <laughs> a bit of a magpie. Um, and I did try that. I, I, I put resin in just clear resin in that beautiful curve. So I was really just thinking about accentuating what was already there in mm. nature. And I loved that each of those little shell rings were so different. And then I was just kind of working with what I had and, and, um, and. Did you teach yourself resin casting or did you go to um, someone to learn it? Because it is quite an involved process. Yeah, well, I, well, George taught me really again. So he, he showed me oh, how to course. make a mould. Mm. So from that glitter and the curve thing, I thought, no, I don't actually like that, sadly, because it was such a beautiful shell. Mm. Um, it wasn't really happening for me. So again, you know, that's part of my experimental approach of just, thinking okay I tried that and I didn't like that and try another thing and and trying out different materials so I had the clear resin and the glitter um and it just wasn't working with the shell for some reason so then I thought well I'd like to actually raise it from the top of the shell somehow how can I do that and then that's what I thought well I could do a, a mold and put something sort of in it that's going to attach to the shell so um, that's when I went to George and he showed me how to use resin. So it was all about, you know, colouring the resin with pigments, which I loved, creating so new... so fun and explorative. Yeah, it's very explorative. Mm. And, and you know, I didn't, still didn't really exactly know what I was doing, but mm. I was using pig powdered pigments. Not sure any of us do. No, <laughs> exactly, which is a good thing in a mm. way. Mm. Um, using pigment 
um, powder pigments and also, um, you know, just sort of mixing liquidy it all stuff. In. Yeah, with resin and experimenting with quantities and that kind of thing and color. Mm. So that sort of went back to my painting with my love of color making. Mm. Um, so and what then, was the natural progression like? Because you did that for some time, and then. Um, I know, so you did the carbon fibre works with George and then um, there's sort of a lot of other explorative work with lamps and resin as well. Yeah. Can you talk a bit about that? Yeah. So from the jewellery, I did that for a year or two, jewellery, and really sort of developed that and did all sorts of cool things, um, which I loved. And just going back to the shelves for a second, mm. the, the most beautiful thing about it was that I mean, it was beautiful in a way, but it wasn't a very smart sort of commercial thing. Mm. But I love the idea that the shell could only fit a certain finger. Mm, yes, yeah, and yes. it was a little bit like Cinderella and the glass slipper mm. sort of thing. And those shell resin rings were actually incredibly comfortable if you found the right shell. Mm. So I like the idea of, you know, the shell finding its rightful owner and, you know, the owner finding its rightful shell mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, connecting to certain colours that, that meant something to them. And, uh, yeah, so that was a nice aspect to it. But I, could, I couldn't really sell them because a lot of people couldn't find one that fitted. So you mean in a way that it was a bit hard to sort of put online or yeah. Um, yeah, sell it in that way. I must say that, that all your marketing and um, – like everything that you do, it was very polished and um, well presented and sort of had this whole feel to it as well, which, um, you know, I think it really, it adds to your work when you can take it that step further. It's not just about trying something on. It's that whole, I hate to use the word brand, but it's that whole kind of um, experience that you're selling. Mm. Yeah. 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 And it didn't always work, but the people who did find a ring, which actually oddly many Murawai women own one of those rings mm. because they found their rings, which is almost like, you know, that was meant to be. Mm. But no, so I, I kind of felt like I'd done been there, done that with that process and that, that sort of project and was ready for something new. And then I really just wait for the universe to bring me her ideas. Mm. You know, and I really believe in that. Sometimes, you know, if I'm busy, I don't have the headspace and it's not happening and I just am okay with that. I let that rest because I am sure and really confident that other stuff will come into my head. And sometimes it goes on for a few months with nothing. Other times it's on to the next project. I've already got an idea. It sort of varies, I suppose. So from there, yeah, we, George and I worked together to make fiberglass cylinders, which I painted um, with sort of geometric work and then also um, responding to nature so I take leaves out of our garden and draw around those around the fiberglass and then paint those and they were all white on fiberglass um, white paint and they were beautiful I mean we sold a few and I've got quite a few at home of friends have got some and yeah they, they were quite nice I wanted to kind of take the lamps and the light concept further but never really did and then um then we did another another series together where it was um, carbon fibre and acrylic lacquer on plywood blocks. Mm. And we did that for the Murawai Arts Show in 2019, which the theme for that was Connect. So I thought it was a really cool thing to bring George's background in yachting and his skills with carbon fibre mm. together with my painting. Mm. And uh, To explain yeah, those cool. a little bit more, I think, um, 
you know, they're very sort of reflective, they're shiny, these matte aspects to them. Um, I would say they have a little bit of an architectural feel to them and, um, you know, there's a strong design component, um, quite often black with black matte, bit of gold. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And the, the carbon fibre, once it's highly polished, is, you know, you can see the weave of the of the fibre. So it's got a beautiful, um, slight 3D sort of, aspect against the flat acrylic lacquer which was quite interesting too yeah mm. yeah so that was fun that. so what's happening um in the current time what is your current practice well at the moment um I've sort of got two a couple of things going really I in the last year I have been doing quite a lot of painting um so I am actually working on a series which I call my abstract garden series so once again responding to my place but this time more about actual nature so I'm a I love my garden and I love the garden and I love to walk as I said so I just found as I was walking about a year ago that I was just starting to notice the beautiful form in nature with plants and um it was about the sort of the different shapes of the leaves and the different form and compositions that plants could create. And I started just taking photographs of those. And then I loved the idea of sort of taking that natural composition and either playing with it or leaving it exactly as it was, but then sort of altering the feel of it by adding sort of color and making it feel quite abstract. But sort of from a natural place that I had observed, you know, in my home place. Mm. So it felt quite, I felt quite connected to it. It felt quite personal. Um, and it was also, you know, that idea of capturing a moment in time, you know, that plant at that particular time of the year on that day, which felt nice for me. So it was, yeah, really making connections. And then I called, I titled those, all of those works with the road that I found or the place that I found the plant. So um, it might be something like Mototara, Kawakawa. Um, so that's my road that I live in mm-hmm. and um, and the type of plant. And so it was really, yeah, really making a strong connection to this place and then sort of taking it to an abstract mm. place. Again, they are, um, there's a strong design sort of aesthetic there and these these works are quite poppy in colour um you know sort of to, to describe them quite um vividly they have you know shots of bright pink and blues and quite often an outline and um you know hot pink or yellow or mustard um is there a sort of a colour uh inspiration for you from some source um I do love colour and I really enjoy making colour, like I said, with paint. So everything I've sort of come up, I've made the colours myself. But I love also putting colour together that's maybe unexpected or, you know, like light soft pink with emerald green and, you know, mustard and pink. Dare I say pink again? (laughs) (laughs) And um, Shades of pink. Yeah, and just... Just kind of playing with interesting colours or shades um, and tints of colour and, and uh, you know, once again, not really starting with the final product for me, but have, having that initial inspiration from, the, from nature and then just kind of seeing where I could take that from a more abstract 
point of view. Mm. Yeah. So it's kind of about simple form, which really is what Mm. all my painting has been, um, and shape, and then um, with a real focus on colour. Yeah. So, yeah, these these designs, um, they're quite a small scale, would you say? Yeah, yeah, they're much smaller than I usually work, actually, and I've I've been painting on um, paper, which I've never done. Mm. And the reason why I did that was, well, partly because it was it all started in lockdown, COVID lockdown, and um, I was just painting on the dining table, so I just needed to make it easy. And I just left it out for that whole time we were locked down, and that's when I kind of got into it. And then I really wanted to kind of keep developing it, I suppose. And uh, I actually get prints made, archival fine art prints made of the work and then um, made bigger. Mm. So I think they're best really big. I'd love to see them very big. Very, very big. They're very strong and I think they translate really well to a um, bigger aspect. I also know that you put these into more of a sort of a – design aspect and um that they're sort of translated into objects and homewares um in true mandy style (laughs) once again what was that kind of thinking behind that and how did that develop um i actually just had a meeting with um with a woman who i think my mentor actually introduced me to her just as somebody i might get on with and she'd not been in new zealand for that long and um, she told me about a site where you can put in designs and, and get homewares or accessories made with your designs. And I just thought, wow, you know, the, the, the designs that I'm, I'm creating really do lend themselves well to mm. certain objects for the home. So I just kind of had a little play with a site, which was Society6, it's called. And uh, I just quite loved the website and, and enjoyed playing with it and um, – you know, testing out my prints on these different objects like duvets and deck chairs and um, small purses and cushions and floor cushions and that kind of thing. And they looked amazing. And it was still quite a sort of designy, interesting thing to work on, you know, deciding the best prints for the different um, different objects. And, yeah, I quite enjoyed that. So I kind of did it and put it out there and sold a few things. And that's just sitting there, um, yeah, and sort of mm-hmm. ticking away nicely. And then also there's uh, Contrado, which is another website similar, where artists put in designs and they basically make the work and send it off to the client. And we, we get a cut mm. every time something's sold. So um, for that one I did silk cushions um which are sort of high-end quite expensive but using my sand black and white sand pictures which I haven't talked to you about yet no yeah. what was is that sort of from walking along the beach and um sort of seeing sand patterns or how does that yeah that was alongside the abstract garden works I I just got inspired by the beautiful lines that are created on the sand dunes by the wind mm. you know when it's it's quite soft sand and it just sort of moves into these ridges basically or beautiful lines so I started doing a similar thing to the garden series and photographed the actual lines and again was very interested in that capturing this this moment this natural pattern that we may never see again Um, and just then sort of transferred those lines into black and white paintings 
um, using gouache on paper. And I did the same thing, enlarged those and, and got fine art prints made from them. And then, uh, yeah, they lend themselves beautifully to silk cushions with mm. um, a beautiful gold braid around the outside. And, you know, I can just imagine someone in, um, you know, the Greek islands, an interior designer working with, you know, a super yacht somewhere and just liking the connection with the sand and maybe with New Zealand and um, and putting in something that's really sort of fresh and modern and contemporary mm. into the yacht that has sort of a nice connection with the sea. So Yeah, yeah. I can see that too. I haven't, I'm yet to, uh, I'm still waiting for that person to, <laughs> to come to me. <laughs> but it yeah. Will come. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so what what's sort of on the radar in the future? I know George is down in the garden finishing off your studio. Yes, he that, certainly um, is. I'm very envious about. Yeah. Um, I don't think you need to be envious. You've got a pretty cool studio, <laughs> which you made yourself. You have very beautiful surrounding down there with your Nikos and taro plants. Um, yeah, so what is on the horizon for you? Well, um, I'm artistically anyway, I'm, I'm working on some light boxes using those sand um, pictures as sort of inspiration, sand paintings. Um, so that's interesting. And again, George is going to make the... Um, boxes for me um so that's that for the Murawai Arts show Leap of Faith which is May 21st to the 23rd this year so working towards that and then uh, yeah I'm not quite sure as far as my art practice goes Mm. where I'm heading after that but once Mm. again trust the universe Mm. and um in creative matters what is sort of on the horizon for that um well I just I I plan to continue that for a a long time to come. Mm. So that will continue, keep growing that. Um, I'd like to develop the the professional development courses with teachers further. Um, I plan to keep doing this podcast until I'm 100. <laughs> <laughs> so if any artists listening want to um, be involved, please get in touch. And um, yeah, I think having that studio, which will be built in the next few months, hopefully, you know, I'll be able to spend a bit more time down there I'm going to actually go down there to work when I'm working from home mm, and do my the dining room table uh, yeah do my business stuff there as well as my art stuff mm. take the dog and uh, yeah it'll be interesting I think it'll be good for me to be able to kind of step away from the home a little bit even though it's just down the drive mm. and uh, yeah have a slightly different aspect to mm. work and then coming back to home yeah, yeah. which should be good yeah, do you know, I think that concludes my questions for um, that, but I do have a surprise quickfire round for you. Uh, uh, so let's delve in. Uh, what is one thing on your bucket list? Oh, bucket lists. Okay, so I actually, I don't really, I'm just not really the kind of person to have a bucket list. Which is interesting, but I think um, it's probably because I believe in living each day and I do all the things that I want to be doing and I just kind of make stuff happen. So I'm not really one to have dreams I of things I have to do. Mm. It's just, yeah, I'm kind of just living through my life in the best way I can and um I feel very grateful for what I have, so I'm not kind of yearning for things I need to do before I die kind of thing. <laughs> you make the most of every day you've got. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, if you could have dinner with any artist, living or dead, who would it be? <gasps> well, 
That's a tricky one. It is a very hard question on the spot. I really love um, Gretchen Albrecht's work. So she's a New Zealand artist who um, has been working for a long time, really. And she is also a teacher, used to be, a secondary teacher, I think. Um, so, yeah, I love her work and I'd love to have dinner with her and hopefully she'd give me a free painting. Here's <laughs> <laughs> uh, hoping. Um, she might be listening. <laughs> if you could own a piece of artwork by any artist, who would it be? And if you know the actual piece, what would it be? Oh, well, I'd say I'd love to own a large Mark Rothko piece. I don't know which one it would be, but I do love his work and I was always pretty inspired by his sort of colour field mm. sort of approach and the way he layers paint and colour. And yeah, I'd love to own one Maybe of Maybe one of the yellow pink ones. Maybe. <laughs> Not sure about yellow. No, definitely no. pink. Maybe pink. <laughs> okay, what are you currently reading? I'm reading Where the Crawdads Sing. Oh, where the crawdads sing. Is that the title? Where the crawdaddies sing? No, where the crawdads sing. (laughs) Crawdaddies. Crawdaddies. That is one of my my favourite books. Really? I really, um, oh, I think there's so many kind of metaphors around nature that relate to humanity. Oh, that's interesting. um, Yeah, lots of lessons in there to sort of parallel Mm. um, nature and how humans sort of have that symbiosis as well. Mm, mm. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, I've only just started it. All my book club say I must read it and they mm. all loved it. So, yeah, mm. interesting. Okay. Um, what is one thing that your mother or father taught you that you had a, that had a real impact on your life? Um, well, that is a hard one also, Tan. You are dishing out some gnarly <laughs> questions. Well, I think, um, you know, my dad, he, you know, being a commander in the Navy, he sort of had high expectations and we were basically like his little officers <laughs> and he expected a lot from us. Um, but, you know, having high expectations of me, I think, has been a great lesson and has, even though I struggled with it when I was a teenager, big time, a hey, dad, <laughs> we, uh, I think it's really sort of, guided me through my life to have high expectations of myself and um you know get into lots of different things and and try to do them as best I can yeah mm. so thanks dad yeah beautiful what event or timeline has been your biggest teacher well I guess it's probably the challenges of of medical stuff for me and also for our son quite, quite a while ago um I think what we've experienced through that has really shaped me and all of us as a family, brought us closer together and, you know, just helped me to have that attitude that we must live our best lives every day. And I really believe that and I have told my kids that before, but that is my message to them and to everyone listening, Mm. to live your best life and be the best person you can be. You know, you don't know when it's when your life's going to end Mm. and it's enriched my life because I have had that attitude and have been faced with mortality and my own mortality and you know it's it's been a gift in some Mm. ways Mm. and I think you know I'm actually grateful for it yeah 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 absolutely it's a really big big learning curve there Mm. absolutely 
Well, Mandy, um, this concludes our interview, flipping the switch today. Um, <laughs> it's been really interesting being on the other side of the mic. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, I think I speak collectively when I say thank you so much for being um, the absolute champion of the arts that you are. You put so much into the community. You um, support everyone that you work with professionally and, you know, as friends, family, um, you really bring people up to be the best that they can be and, um, you know, really let them spread their wings and support them in every way. Um, it never ceases to me, to amaze me, your ideas that come along and what your next projects are, always really ambitious. And um, I look forward to seeing what happens in the future. I'm so interested to watch your path. Thank you, Tan. It's so, it's such, yeah, it's, it's actually really nice to, to kind of sit down and talk through your journey and, you know, my journey with someone like yourself. And, um, you know, I, I love doing what I do and I'm very passionate about it and it's really real for me. And if that can touch somebody and help them with their own creativity, then that makes me feel good. I'm sure it does. So mm. thank you. It's been fun. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.